The Heat continued their winning ways, this time versus the New York Knicks, making adjustments throughout the game and finding their way to a victory without having to rely on a monster game from Jimmy Butler. But while there's plenty of reason for optimism, could an injury of Butler be a factor throughout the series? We'll break down how Miami's role players made a huge difference and the latest on Jimmy on today's playoff edition of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with Dave Vermill. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. The Heat go into Madison Square Garden and they win game one, stealing home court advantage the same way that they did against the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. Uh, everything would be great for the Miami Heat right now if Jimmy Butler had not turned his ankle in the fourth quarter. He stayed in the game, but he could barely move. The Heat still got the win thanks to big uh, games from Gabe Vincent, Kyle Lowry, some timely plays from Bam Adebayo and Kevin Love. Uh, we'll talk about Jimmy Butler later on and everything that we know about his injury in a second. But the Heat lead the series now one nothing. David, what stood out to you about the Heat's win? Well, the first thing I think is the utter resiliency of this team. I think a lot of people had been looking at Madison Square Garden as a factor and that how soon would my, you know, Miami be able to count on Jimmy Butler after the incredible series that he had against Milwaukee. But more importantly, Miami showed, I think, not just the, the toughness and resiliency of this team, but the incredible coaching of Eric Spolstra to recognize what was happening in that first half and make the necessary adjustments throughout the game, implementing a strategy that worked, particularly when it came to limiting Jalen Brunson, who was really, really effective, punishing Miami in the mid-range game, just driving to his spots. You made the comparison to Jimmy Butler, and it's an apt one because when Brunson has it rolling, he just finds a way, despite his small size, to be able to create space, get that shot going, and he certainly had it in the first half. He was killing Miami in the mid-range game. In the second half, they made such a concerted effort that Heat defense did to just challenge Brunson on every position. When he had the ball in his hands, he would get the he would get picked up immediately, draw a double team, force him to either try to take a tough shot or make a bad pass out to the perimeter where New York's willing shooters were there. They just weren't capable of hitting shots either. They shot just 20% from three-point range. They were abysmal from beyond the arc, and I think it was a necessary step that Miami needed to make again making these game kind of adjustments throughout the game that's something that won't get talked about but it was a completely different first and second half and I think a lot of that falls on both the Heat players and Miami's coaching staff I would even say they had the right game plan going into the into the game I think they really did understand the assignment they had scouted the Knicks well this this is a they have played each other four times this year and more importantly Three times the after too. the Josh, in the, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Three times after the Josh Hart deal, with basically yeah. transformed uh, the Knicks bench, um, and so they were three and one during the season. But like I, the point differential after those four games was like Knicks plus six or Knicks plus seven. Right. It was so close. close. It was it was a Julius Randle miracle three pointer from being a tied series, and maybe Tyler Hero making an open three to win the game in Madison Square Garden in February right. from being Heat three one. I mean that's how close that this series was. And going into this series, I think both of these teams are really close. Um, you and I had a really hard time picking this series, right? I, we both, en I ended up sort of saying it was going to be a seven-game series and kind of hedging my bets. You went Heat in six. You even, you go to the national analyst, everybody's like six games, seven games, but they kind of are hemming and hawing over who's going to win, even though it does seem that most uh, analysts are picking the Knicks. That's neither here nor there. Everybody's expecting a tight series. And 
I thought the Heat had the right. They like, like I said, they understood the assignment going into this thing. They knew exactly what was going to happen. The Knicks were going to put Josh Hart and Quentin Grimes on Jimmy Butler. So what did they do from a, the from the opening tip? Staggered screens, double screens, all these things. So these wide screen sets to to make uh, the Knicks defenders run over and through and and in and out of these screens just to get Jimmy Butler a little bit more space. They knew that was going to be right. the case right away. They tried to force transition opportunities early on, knowing that the Knicks don't turn the ball over a whole lot. The Heat don't turn the ball over either. So they were careful in order to not uh, end up on the other side the wrong way of a turnover margin, but also let's create our own semi-transition and transition opportunities by creating that with, with outlet passes and other things like that and being and trying to push the pace and, and up the tempo in that way. So I thought they had like these keys that they tried to execute and then def- on, on offense and then defensively, they gave up a ton of points in the paint, but that's not because they were ignoring the paint, right? Like you, you heard after that first time out that uh, ABC on the broadcast, Eric Spolster being like, we know they want to get into the paint. Stop, you know, get that dribble, uh, stop them at the dribble penetration at the point of attack. And so they knew exactly what it is that they had to do. Kind of took them a while to settle into it because this yeah. is a very different series than that Milwaukee Bucks series. Kind of feels like it took them a little while. But then once they settled in, they, they, the Knicks had a couple of uh, uh, punches in them. They didn't roll over by any stretch, but it kind of felt like they, Cruz might be a strong word, but I never really felt like this game was in doubt in the fourth quarter, I would say. I, I, the time, the word that I kept coming up with is either timing or cadence. It just felt like after the really tough physical five-game series against Milwaukee and having to adjust to, again, the timing of how players attack the basket, whether it's Giannis or Chris Middleton or Brooke Lopez or something else, while they may have had that plan and strategy, as you pointed out, I think they were quite ready for how Brunson times his drives to the baskets. And then once they went through that first half, they started to see kind of signs of life late in the second quarter. And that carried through into the third quarter where they absolutely took control. And it's a good point you make because once they found out that timing, they looked much more comfortable. They didn't look challenged. Like even when the Knicks cut the lead down to three after it had been 10 at one point, Miami just said, okay, well, we'll, we figured it out. We we know how to adjust, not just defensively on Brunson, but also kind of just boxing out Mitchell Robinson, understanding when guys like quickly quickly wanted to put the ball down or try and shoot Josh Hart and his reckless bulldozing towards the rim. I mean, they just kind of just understood, okay, this is how they're going to attack the basket. We've got to make the adjustment. Showed a lot of patience, a lot of poise, really fantastic win. For a team that has been so inconsistent all season, and yet they kind of seem to be finding their veteran poise at the right time. This is what it's all for. Kyle Lowry, who we'll talk about later on in the show, perfectly symbolic of all that. You know, there was so much early reporting throughout the season. Oh, Lowry's played his last game. He'll never suit up for the Heat again. And at the time, I remember saying, well, what if this is a by, a, you know, by choice, by design? They're sitting him out, hoping for him to get rest so that he can have these big moments later on in the postseason. We saw it against the Bucs. We certainly saw it today against the New York Knicks. And at the risk of overanalyzing this win, and I do think that there are some things that we could take away from this, but if you look at like maybe the main reason why the Heat won this game, yeah. uh, the three-point shooting discrepancy. They went uh, sure. 13 of 39 from three-point range to 33%, and the Knicks went 7 of 34 from three-point range. So they outscored the Knicks by 18 points from beyond the arc. Now, it's not simple enough as to say, well, they just shot – threes better like I thought they actually right. got to really good looks and they worked their yes. way through the offense they did a really good job of kind of turning away good shots and going and get great shots hey let's make sure our shooters Lowry Duncan Robinson Max Drews, Gabe Vincent like make sure that they're taking these threes right the extra um, pass. 
yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff, pump fake, extra pass, knowing how aggressive that Knicks defense is going to be. Right. So they credit to them. The Knicks also missed a whole lot of open shots, and the Heat need okay. to probably tighten that up going into game two. So that is an important reason why they won. But kind of relating to what you just said, a team that's been inconsistent shooting so long for, for so much of this season, playing their best basketball right now through round one against the Milwaukee Bucks, and they obviously carried over whatever momentum they had. Uh, look, they didn't shoot 45% from three-point range. They shot right. 33% from three-point range. That was still better than the Knicks, but we're starting to come down to earth a little bit from three-point range, but the Heat finding other ways to go ahead and win this game. We do have credit cookies later on, but the big story, Jimmy Butler, his ankle. We have the latest update on that. What is Jimmy Butler saying about that, and what does it look like uh, for the Heat going forward? Maybe they have a good reason to rest him, regardless yeah. of how that ankle turns out. We'll yeah. talk about that next, but first, David, tell the listeners about our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Every day of the NBA playoffs finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8, 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day. And whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts. You can get six all six correct picks, you get a million dollars. You get five correct picks, you get 80,000. Four correct picks, 16 grand, still a lot of money, always a good opportunity. You must opt in at the link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. And playing the game has never been so easy because Daily Fantasy has just been made so easy by prize picks. You just pick the players you want against the projected numbers. You don't have to go and compete against anybody else. You versus the numbers which makes it so much easier. Easy payouts, fast payouts, everything you could want. And you get a chance to, to place a wager on almost virtually any sport that you can imagine. You'll find it at PricePix. So download the PricePix app. Go to PricePix.com and sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, PricePix gives you 100. If you deposit 50, PricePix will give you 50. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100 by downloading the PricePix app or going to PricePix.com today. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Every day is we're going to be back Monday with a look at game two and an update on Jimmy Butler's ankle, but that's what we're talking about right now. Five minutes left in the game in the fourth quarter. Heat basically rolling. Jimmy Butler going to the basket on a drive. Josh Hart trying to fight over a screen. Uh, it gets physical as it had been the entire game. Um, he kind of lands hard into Jimmy Butler uh, trying to fight over a screen. Falls awkwardly into Jimmy Butler's right ankle, um, and then it kind of gets trapped under Josh Hart's foot, and then he goes right. down hard. He is writhing in pain, yep. um, and you see the the camera pan immediately to Eric Spolstra, who utters a curse word very visibly, and I think that's how all of Heat fans felt in that moment. Uh, Jimmy Butler obviously having one of the great playoff performances we've ever seen. He played great in this game up until then, uh, but he stays in the game because he did get fouled on the play. In order to stay in the game, he had to take those free throws because if he goes to the locker room and goes to the bench without taking those free throws, he's ruled ineligible for the rest of the game. So he has to take those free throws. He does. I think a lot of people were wondering whether or not the Heat would call a timeout and sub him out. Nope. He kind of just tightened the shoelaces on that right ankle, on that sneaker, uh, and stayed in the game. Now, that's about all he did was stay in the game because he would right. just kind of limp over to a corner and stand there with his arms open, ready to, uh, with his hands out, ready to shoot, kind of practicing his shot, his yeah, shooting form in the middle of live action. Um, I've got a, th a few bones to pick with how the Knicks handled this. It was a little strange, and it kind of felt like they wasted that opportunity. Uh, but in terms of Jimmy Butler staying in that game, uh, what did you think about that, David? And, and what did you think about uh, just <laughs> the, 
the way and, he was in, in those minutes, in those last yeah, you know, four a, minutes a where he was in a, there. A bit of a fluke how the injury happened. Um, and it's tough to see. You know, he obviously was in a lot of pain, and you could tell that yes. as he's like rolled over onto his stomach, and and, and he sees Spolster's reaction, and everybody kind of looking, standing over Jimmy and calling for the medical staff, and that was he it. goes back that out was there. The that was the playoff run right there, laying on the floor. That's what everybody's yep. thinking. Uh, and with good reason, after what Jimmy had done against the Bucks and was able to do against the Knicks in game one, too. So uh shows toughness of Jimmy's part. I imagine he probably told Spo, no, there's no way I'm staying out of this game. So there was no point in him coming out. But there was a moment really where I think he was it was a few possessions after that. And I agree. Spo was like, you want to stay in? And Jimmy was like, yep, let me stay in. And Jimmy is just like, again, just limping down the floor, keeping as much weight off of that right leg as possible. Yep. He's not going up for rebounds. He's barely even playing defense. It's a non-factor. He's just there. And I, and it was so bad at one point that you can kind of see Eric Spolstra turn to Chris Quinn and just be like, should we take him out? And Chris Quinn just being like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. exactly. He's like, I have no Why idea. Why are you asking me, dude? I'm not Jimmy there. Butler. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, was, it was so funny. Yep. Um, I don't know. Like, in terms Do you think of, the Knicks wasted an opportunity yes. by not attacking Jimmy? Yeah, doors work. Well, Burke first of all, why did you keep your best wing defender on him if he was just standing in the corner? You could have easily Good just point. hit Emmanuel quickly or Good something. Point. Josh Hart was locked in on him, and he wasn't yeah. really playing off of him any more than you would normally play off of Jimmy Butler if he was standing in the corner, spacing out for three. Like, Jimmy Butler basically transformed into P.J. Tucker for four minutes. Like, that's how he was being right. used on offense. And so um, that was strange. And then not really attacking him until later. They only got to it one time. Where RJ Barrett was like, oh, okay. RJ Barrett, who had a rough game for the Knicks, uh, saw they they finally called something out where um they wanted to attack that mismatch, drag Jimmy's guy into a screen, uh, and then go ahead and attack that matchup. And credit to Kyle Lowry, he kicked Jimmy Butler out of the switch and he got and he just stripped RJ Barrett and just like kind of neutered that entire possession for the Knicks. So he really did step up and the Heat in general stepped up. I mean, after he goes down. Um, it was still sort of a game that was in the balance there at that point. 97, 92 when he gets injured yeah. and uh, I'm sorry, 95, 92. So they were only up yeah, three. three point he gets game. Injured, yeah. Hit, hits the two free throws. Brunson immediately hits a shot after that. It's a, a back to being a three point game. Gabe Vincent hits a three pointer. Yeah. Bam hits a big hook to shot. Seven runs, so and then Lowry hits a fadeaway jumper. So that was the thing. Like if, as soon as Jimmy basically turned himself into uh, a PJ Tucker on offense, I tweeted this. The offense belongs to Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent, and Bam Adebayo. And all three of those guys hit shots on three consecutive possessions and, and basically put the game away for the Heat. Um, let's get to some of these listener questions here. Uh, Brady G writes in using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Up 1-0 in the series, should Spo be strict on the minutes that Jimmy and Kyle Lowry play in game two? I'm not really mm. sure of the Kyle Lowry minutes there. And uh, let's just. Well, he did bang his knee at one point and he kind okay. of was cursing. I think he got fouled late in the, in the, I can't recall exactly what position it was, but it okay. was late in the game. Miami had a sizable lead and, you know, they were really being challenged at that point. He went, took free throws at one of two, if I'm not mistaken. And he stayed in the game. So played 30 I, minutes. You don't in the know. Game, so I don't, yeah. I don't anticipate. And if, if Jimmy has to be a little bit strict on minutes, he played 43 minutes in this one. 43 and a half. I don't imagine that you're going to start cutting minutes from other people too. And they're usually limiting Kyle Lowry to upwards of 30 minutes anyway. So that's about it. So in yeah. terms of Jimmy Butler, yeah, I think that you just need to, I don't know that you go into that being strict. Obviously we'll get updates on that ankle going forward and the medical staff will obviously have a better idea of what Jimmy is able and, and, and not able to do, but it is just something that you're going to have to monitor this entire series, no matter what. Cause that's also something that kind of get re-aggravated could bother you, et cetera. Do an MRI, um, right? I, th I, th yeah. I get the very least. I'll do an MRI. He'll probably be listed as 
questionable. I'm going to go out and, I would, and say probably questionable yeah. for now, not doubtful. I don't know how severe it is, but I, I, that's and then the from the coaching staff, and anytime Spo asks is asked about it, he'll say something like day to day, right? Yeah, that, he's done work. He, he got the, some work in, and yeah. they, you know, he's maybe with our training staff, etc. So we won't find out till probably 20 minutes before tip off yeah. on on Tuesday, uh, unless he's just ruled out completely uh, after an MRI, which is also yeah. possible because if he's out, out, they can't, they can't rule them as questionable because then they'll get fined again. And they don't want to do that. Right. Uh, Brian writes in after Jimmy shot the free throws, why not put in Max Struess or Kevin Love for the closing minutes? Um, it's a good question. I think it was a fair question worked, to ask. Though. A lot of these things with the ankle, yeah. you almost just want to play on it. Uh, right? You, you kind of cool just... If, if, yeah. And again, it was a three-point game at that point. You can't really afford to have your best player out during that stretch that Gabe was able to hit that well, big would, shot, that bam, Kyle, I, et cetera. Yeah, I would agree with you. But also, you didn't really know if – like, you asked Jimmy, hey, how are you feeling? Are you going to be able to play? Right. And then you say – and then Jimmy Butler says, of course. And then you watch him limping down the court, barely in the game. And right. then at that point, maybe you're like, probably can't be playing in this game. And then maybe you put in Max Struess or Kevin Love or somebody else. But um, like you said, they, had, they hit those three consecutive baskets. They were able to extend the lead. And if you're Jimmy Butler, again, with these ankles – the last thing you kind of want to do is just sit on the bench and let it swell up. You tighten right. up the shoestrings and you stay out there. Um, you don't want all the blood rushing to it. Uh, my dad texted me. Jimmy Butler's going to sleep with that sneaker on. So um, <laughs> probably taped up at the very least. Maybe not the sneaker. That would probably be a little uncomfortable. I see him being a little too OCD for all that. But, you know, I, I think it kind of worked, too. And if anything, it kind of is the underlying uh, theme to what I had mentioned before in the, in the sense that the Knicks for all that they've been able to accomplish the season. And, and look, this is no disparaging of them. They're a very, very good team. Obviously. I think they also showed a little bit of a lack of poise and a little bit, a little bit of lack of understanding about the moment, the decoying of Jimmy Butler kind of threw him off because so much of what Jimmy had been able to accomplish worried, you know, changed the, the, it dictated the game plan for the New York Knicks, particularly defensively. And so while he's out there, I guess they, the the recognition is that well he's still a potential threat and you can't just yeah. sag off. And what is it that league. Dwayne Wade once said like the recovery power of leather something like that? Or it's just like you get the, you put the ball in his hands and all of a sudden you just turn into the player you were and you just kind of throw the injury out the window right. for a couple seconds. Right. Like yeah, it's is so I get it. I think there was a moment too where the the, the mics might have picked up Tom Thibodeau screaming at he was going Josh 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 like trying to get his attention. Now who knows what he was trying to say? Right. I imagine it was something like. Get off Stop of Jimmy. guarding Jimmy Butler, yeah. like just put quickly on him or something like that. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it was because it didn't really seem like Josh reacted. Josh Hart reacted to Tom Thibodeau in that moment. But whatever. Uh, we'll see because you know that they'll probably go into game two thinking the same thing that we're thinking. If we don't get any kind of real material update being like, let's if Jimmy Butler does play, right. let's monitor how well he's moving. And if he's not moving, great. And then maybe we can deploy Josh Hart and other, you know, players and things and other matchups and stuff like that. Um, last question comes from Hasi, who writes in, to whom would we give more minutes uh, to reduce Jimmy's minutes to around 39 or 40, assuming he can play in game two? Well, let's just, I don't know. The answer is uh, probably more Caleb Martin, probably more Max Drews, whoever's got the hot hand. I want to just, flip, I want to spin this forward and go even in a bigger direction. What's up? Given that the Heat are up one nothing in this series and how much of a break there is between games two and game three, right? Because it's Tuesday to Saturday. Yeah. Uh, is there something to be said about, well, you already went into MSG, you stole home court. What if you just kind of give them game two and just say, you know what, just rest and take a, yeah. you're going to get a full week off basically. If you just, right. if we, if we just rule you out of game two completely and you could do the gamesmanship, we'll see day to day. But like, if you're the heat, you can know that he's not going to play. Right. I, I think it's fair. Uh, I, I think 
ultimately, as well as it should, I think it falls on Jimmy. And I think the training staff will say, look, you know, you're going to aggravate it. It's going to get worse. And then Jimmy's ultimately going to make a decision in conjunction with the staff. But I think that's the biggest factor is whether or not he thinks he can play. I, I hear you. I would think even with Jimmy out there, to be honest with you, the Knicks will find a way to adjust. It's not a prediction right. or nothing like that, but we, it's just the nature of a two-game series so far. It's just, you know, they're going to figure out what to do. They're going to attack Jimmy more the way they could it today. Somebody's going to get a little bit more of a hot hand from beyond the arc. Julius Randle could come back. There's a lot of different factors that could swing game two in New York's favor. But at the same time, hey, Jimmy might just not want to sit. And if that's the case, he'll play out there. You hope for the best. You hope it doesn't re-aggravate the injury. And then Take that time off in between games two and three to get back to as close to 100%. I think that that's the other thing, too, and we hear it all the time, somewhat cliched perhaps, but at this point of season, no player is really 100%, and they've been going through whatever nagging injuries will accumulate over the course of a long-ass season. Jimmy's played a lot of basketball. He played a lot of basketball, and he still dominated against the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. So we'll see in what kind of shape he is for Tuesday's matchup. Uh, I would be very, very careful. In game two, if there, I would be very, very careful. If there's, I, I think there would be a good reason to rest him. It's depending. Like, look, maybe, maybe this whole thing is to do about nothing. But he did say after the game, Cassidy Hubbard from ABC asked him, "How's that rolled ankle feeling?" And he's basically said, it "Feels like, like a rolled, rolled ankle." ankle. Yeah. Um, and so obviously we're gonna know more. But if it, if it's as bad as it looked, um, or even close to being as bad as it looked, I would really consider because I, I, like, this is gonna be a long series. I think everybody expects this to be a long series. You need Jimmy Butler to be Jimmy Butler for four out of these seven games, right? Yep. You just need four Jimmy Butler games. You don't need six of them. You don't need seven of them. You need four of them. So maybe you just write this one off. Understand that the Knicks are – look, the, the Heat beat the Bucks in five games. The Bucks won game two uh, after getting after losing game one at home, right? Like, they're, I think most people are going to expect the Knicks to go ahead and win this one in game two. We'll see if it actually happens. But fair. I think it would be fair to say, you know what? Let's just make sure Jimmy's as rested as possible because we expect this to be a long series. Could and we already the, got game one. Could the counter argument be you didn't need a monster game from Jimmy Butler? And yes, he played a lot of minutes and he was still very good and impactful, obviously. But you could probably rely on him even if he's 70, 80 percent instead of closer sure. to 100 Maybe. and just hope that Kyle Lowry, etc., everybody finds a way to step up because there, there were missed opportunities there, like Duncan Robinson shot poorly, Max. Sure, shot I mean, poorly. but I would just I would be really scared that Jimmy re aggravates it and they try to rush him out there. Like that would be my yeah. fear is that, and then you, we, we saw this in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. He tried to get back sure. out there and he couldn't play. He basically couldn't play two full games because he was just trying to fight through it. And you could argue maybe that he would have been better off just resting him for one of those full games. I think you made that argument during the conference finals. Um, and I would say, like, yeah, just give him the time off. I don't know. Like, again, yeah. we got to see how serious this injury is and the testing and everything like that first. But if it's like I said, if it's as bad as it looked, I would really consider it if I'm the Miami Heat, uh, because you already got the, the it would be very different if you didn't get game one at Madison Square Garden. But you already accomplished the assignment you had to go in sure. to get to get the series you had to go in and steal a game on the road you did it in the first game so um look the heat also got big contributions from their role players throughout this one especially after jimmy butler got hurt credit cookies is next here on locked on heat thanks for making locked on heat your first listen every day every day we're gonna be back monday with a look at game two and an update on jimmy butler's ankle uh as always you can reach us on twitter instagram you can email us locked on heat at gmail.com well, it's a heat win, David, so it's time to get to the kitchen and hand out some credit cookies. What kind of cookies do we have today? Uh, New York cheesecake cookies, Wes. I think uh, I didn't even know that was a thing, but I looked it up. You just I was made it curious. Up? Oh, no, you looked no, it up. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's a layout. I looked it up. I'm a legitimate recipe out there. New York cheesecake cookies. I don't know how it works out. Is that out. what you I'm think sure of when delicious. you – Like probably the, that, 
I don't, what is a cheesecake it's, made of? Is that sour cream? No, it's cheese, cream, cheese? cream cheese. Yeah. So you probably just have that as like almost like an icing on top of the cookie, probably. I would imagine I think it's a little bit more. I think you make like the what what we would technically call the cheesecake filling, and you probably put the dollop of that somewhere into the cookie so that it bakes on the outside, but still kind of creamy and delicious in the middle. Who cares? This isn't about the New York cheesecake. It's an overrated dish anyway. Nobody cares. The I love point cheesecake. Is Miami goes. Hey, Are cheesecake, you cheesecake is delicious. Guy? It's fine. New York cheesecake, whatever. I think when I York. think about New York, you know, I think can about I the black segue, and white cookie. By the way, I, can I segue? Yeah, I know, like Jerry Seinfeld. Can I segue into you know my what I wanted to rant about? I am so sick. Just like you hate what is it, the Raptors Village or whatever Jurassic Park, where everybody. Uh, goes, oh, Park look at our crowd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can we stop with the panning to whatever celebrities are there? They live in New York City because New York City is a fantastic city. Not to go watch the goddamn Knicks. Nobody cares about that. When they had nobody on that team and they were winning anything, you still saw celebrities there. Woody Allen, uh, you know, whatever. Ben Stiller, he's been there for a lifetime. John Stewart, everybody was there. Why? Because I haven't York. seen Not Woody Allen Knicks there in a while. I wonder why that is. Well, I don't think he goes out in public much for good reason. So <laughs> I, I, I think that might be a little yeah. contentious there, Wes. I don't <laughs> It's hard to appreciate the game, whether the Wicks and Knicks are winning or not. You're not going to sure. get a lot of uh, appreciation. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on the, the constant panning to the celebrities. I don't mind it. Same thing happens at Staples or whatever, crypto now. Yeah, whatever. Um, I, and look, I like to see a celebrity every once in a while. It's kind of cool. I get it. But, like, I also don't need to see Ben Stiller seven times. Like, I, <laughs> like just show me, like, once. Chris I'm like, oh, Rock. cool. Ben Stiller is there. Awesome. Yeah, Chris Rock was on the screen, like, 15 times. There was a, there was a possession. Taking Jimmy a Mueller missed a layup. And I had no idea what happened because Spike Lee was on my on on just my entire TV, which is Spike Lee's face. While yeah. the, and you can hear the dribbling and the squeaking of the sneakers. And I'm like, yeah. I think there's basketball happening, but I, I wouldn't be know because it's just Spike Lee's face that I'm looking at right now. And like, <laughs> how many times do I have to see Spike Lee on my TV screen, let alone yeah. in the middle of live action? It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm with it, you on that. I he's don't been mind there. We know he's going to be there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, but we know like, we, there's, we there's a limit. Yeah. There's a limit. I hear you. It's very um, bizarre. Very bizarre. Uh, so no credit cookies to the broadcast, I suppose. Um, exactly. We already mentioned Kyle Lowry. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add to that. I think we were pretty thorough. But how many cookies out of the 10? Uh, I think he probably gets three. Uh, just okay. big shots. Great defense. I don't think it's going to be pointed out. I mean, you can look to the the turnovers he faced. Because I don't even think they qualify as steals. But just the number of slap downs that he had from mm -hmm. Brunson. Uh, Mitchell, who met Robinson, excuse me, just, uh, just the fact that he was just being able to, to time it just right. So he would just knock the ball out against a, an opposing player, forcing a turnover that way, uh, and just completely discombobulated what the Knicks were looking to do. Very, very effective game plan from him. Uh, just I really, mentioned really the, solid uh, game. the strip on RJ Barrett at the end there was huge. I mean, that was, yeah. that was kind of maybe not a swing moment in the game, but in a, a very impactful late. In the, yeah, demoralizing is good. Um, kind of shut the door. Almost like a nail in the coffin, like a dagger swat, uh, swat almost. Um, we got to talk about Kevin Love and Oof. the fact that he's the best passer in Madison Square Garden tonight. Uh, Kevin Love had four assists in the game. Three of them happened in about 60 seconds and back-to-back -back -back outlet yeah. passes in the third quarter. He was tremendous. Uh, you look at that stat line, it was nine points, five rebounds, four assists. It doesn't really stand out. But I thought he was really important. I thought the Heat did a really good job boxing out in this game, and Kevin Love was a yeah. big part of that. He played yeah. uh, 16 minutes, and he, I, like, plus minus isn't exactly what you want. Like PER, you remember the PER stat, like sure, almost sure. Like your productivity per minute. Uh, he, I would venture to say he probably had like the 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 highest PER of any team. It just felt of any player on the Heat. It just felt that way. Like 
you really felt his minute out there. He, he was really, really good. Uh, it, it just his shot making, the passing, the rebounding, the boxing out. He was a factor. And it's again, a good point that he doesn't have to necessarily be over a large amount of minutes played or anything like that. But this is what he's there for. Like he's just there to provide some, a big body skill from the perimeter, skill as a passer, very, very effective. And you can't discount either, as we did, uh, you know, as we pointed out in the Bucks. Just the the veteran leadership, the championship experience that he's had to be able to recognize what's going on, make adjustments, and he stepped up. Like, the shot is fluid. Look, we criticized him when it was necessary to do so. He struggled many times in the Heat uniform when yeah. he was first part of the team, even though the rebounding was a nice addition everything else like that. just didn't seem to work out, especially when the shot wasn't falling. But they've just figured out how many minutes he should get and how he's figured out, I think. We can't yeah. overlook that either. How to be impactful in those minutes. And the rebounding, and he's been more than ahead, just. When when they first got him, it kind of felt like he was just floating along the arc, kind of waiting for right. shots to come. And now he's sort of figured right. out his spots in the offense too. Yep. He was two of five in three point range tonight. He knows what he's doing. Like in the in game five against the Bucks, he's like running pick and roll with Bam. Like he's like doing stuff now on offense, which is really good. Uh, so I think two cookies to him is fair. Gabe Vincent, I think, was huge. Uh, six oh. of sixteen shooting, twenty points, five assists, and the stat that really jumps out to me is the twelve shots from three point range. And yeah. it was he kind of felt like a good. little happy. There was like eight of them, I think, of the eight of those threes were in the first quarter. Um, right. But I think he knows that. I think it's I think Gabe's shot attempts in this series yeah. without Tyler Hero is going to be as big as anything else. Um, they need somebody else to be aggressive, especially with Kyle Lowry coming off the bench and Jimmy Butler right. probably trying to kind of pick his spots a little bit more and get other guys involved because I think they're going to need that in this series to beat the Knicks. Um, Gabe Vincent was huge. Yeah. Yeah, you'd want a couple of those to fall probably at a higher rate, but you know, I still I agree bad. with you. No, I still think the aggression though is important. I, at one point there, like he he, he hit connected on a couple in the fourth quarter, but earlier there was that middle stretch there where the shot just yep. wasn't falling and whatever. You know, it's still it happens. He needs to be established as a threat so that the Knicks defense can center on him, take it, you know, take him seriously. Otherwise, they'll just double down on somebody else and sag off of Vincent. But him going off early, and it was a lot of that same recipe that we saw from Gabe in game five, where he was just attacking. He was their most aggressive player in that first quarter, at least from an offensive perspective, taking a lot of shots, probably again, a little bit more than maybe he should, but it seemed to throw off what Milwaukee's defenders were going to do because all of a sudden you have to take him seriously as a threat. Yep. And when he does get those opportunities, he was capitalizing more often than not. Really, really good game from him. Uh, Highest plus minus on the team. Yeah. Uh, I was going to go three to him. I feel like he deserves more than Lowry. So might no, maybe drop him on. Okay. I mean, it, look, I, I don't really – I hate saying it that way, but I think Lowry's defense was a little bit better. You know, just... All right, so two to Vincent. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I don't, I don't, I don't right. feel that strongly. You do. Seven, um, seven, that's seven in total. Anybody else? So Jimmy gets two, to, two to Jimmy and then one to Bam. I thought Bam was really good. 16 points, 7 to 12 shooting. It wasn't that bad uh, shooting from him. Seven rebounds, a couple of assists. Like, I think there was there's a better game to be played for Bam Adebayo, which yeah. is why he's only getting one cookie. But he yeah. was important in this game, and defensively, he was all over the place. He was neutralizing yeah, block like, shots. When they, a lot of block. Uh, yeah, he had the block shots. Uh, he actually didn't get credited for any block shots. So maybe they went down as, I don't know. It just felt like he was deterring stuff at the basket. He did get one goaltend called right. on him uh, late in the game. But when when Spo said like, "Hey, we need to lock up defensively and and kind of get guys out of the paint," that was Bam playing up closer to the point of attack, uh, kind of vaporizing those driving lanes. Like it was just it was again it was all that subtle stuff that kind of goes unseen with Bam. But he was providing it defensively. He's had an amazing playoffs. And I know people are going to focus on the shooting 
and the lack of scoring that he's done basically after the first two games against the Milwaukee Bucks. But defensively, he's been as reliable and as great as he's ever been. Uh, in I, I think, so look, you're going to look at Robinson, Mitchell Robinson scoring at the rim uh, and say that's mostly on BAM, et cetera. But I think part of that, and maybe you, you might think differently, I think a lot of it was the, by design, like the pressure either Hart quickly or especially Brunson as a ball handler, kind of forcing them and, and seeing if maybe you can force a turnover that way. And then if they eventually find a way to squirm out of that double team and then they can find an open man and Robinson at the rim. I think you'll live with that because that's a that's a you know much less lower percentage shot. It's not, not like he killed him. Like, Mitchell Robinson right. only had seven points, fourteen rebounds. He he only quote unquote only had five offensive rebounds after right. having what was like fourteen against the Cavaliers in the last two games of that right. series. Like, right. um, so I mean, in terms of if you get that from Mitchell Robinson every game, you're pretty happy if they're Miami Heat. Yeah, because he could do a lot more damage. Good. Yeah, I mean, he looked no like Coach Chamberlain out there against the Cavs. So. <laughs> I mean, he was amazing. So yeah, I, I have no Spoh problem with too. it. Yep. Shout out to Spo. I, I think continues to juggle the rotation really well. Gets everybody. I, I like that that uh, the audio that we got from that first time out of the game because it shows how intense he is. He, how well he understands. You, you know that. And I I like the uh, the credit that he's been getting on social media a lot. A lot of people, national media, even fans, just saying, you know what, Spo's the best coach still available in the playoffs. And I think why we we saw why in tonight's game one. We'll have more of an update on Jimmy Butler tomorrow. We're going to look ahead to what the Heat can do differently and what they can expect the Knicks to do differently in Game 2 on Monday morning. But for now, thanks again for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. David, thanks for joining me. Shout out Tracy Morgan for always being there in the massive program. Was he there? 